Hey, hey there. Welcome back to the Ohioan. I'm Chris Pugh, and it's always fun to have Danae King from the Columbus Dispatch here to talk to us. Uh, she covers immigration religion for the Dispatch. Uh, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Chris? Oh, it, it's a Monday. The sun's still shining, so I didn't like the snow over the weekend, but uh, I'll take the sun any day. Yeah, I prefer sun. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, hey, I uh, wanted to talk to you. Um, you recently did a story about the immigration court. And I was just telling you before we started, it's interesting. They have one court in Ohio. And not that there's no immigrants in Cleveland, but, you know, we all know kind of the number of Im immigrants here in Columbus, I'm sure, compared to Cleveland. But the only immigration court in Ohio is in Cleveland. And there was, uh, you had some interesting facts about how fewer immigrants were granted asylum in Ohio compared to the national average. Uh, what did you find out with this uh, reporting? Yeah, um, the court situation is really interesting. Uh, the only immigration court in Ohio is in Cleveland. So um, a lot of people, attorneys and immigrants, have to travel uh, the two-hour trip to to go there when they have hearings. And yeah, the interesting thing is um, there's a researcher at um, TRAC, it's the Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse at Syracuse. And he's from Columbus, his name's Austin. And so he does a lot of research that looks kind of at Ohio and Columbus, uh, which is really great for, for local people here. And so Austin recently came out with um, with a study that shows that um, our immigration court actually denies people's asylum claims more often than courts across the country do on average. And so um, for a little background, an asylum claim is anybody who comes to the United States um, from another country is eligible for asylum if they have what's called credible fear. So um, there's different ways you can get asylum because of political reasons or, you know, religious reasons you were discriminated against, things like that. Um, and so these asylum claims are adjudicated in immigration court. And so um, in Cleveland, there's a really, really high rate of denial and only about 12% of people who apply for asylum actually get granted it in Cleveland. Um, that compares to about 37% of people nationwide who are more likely to get asylum. Why do you think that might be the case? I mean, I, I think if you, I don't know if it's a lazy argument, you could look at from a political side, Ohio seems to be more Republican leaning. And obviously there's a lot of discussion back and forth about immigration. And it seems to be Republicans are more stricter on immigration overall as a whole. Is it because of maybe the politics of the state? Or are they saying that maybe there's some other things going in here? Yeah, that's a good point. It's definitely politically related, people seem to think. So um, I don't know if it's state politics as much as it is national politics. It seems really related to kind of presidential power and discretion. So administrations, presidential administrations appoint judges to the court. And so a lot of what we're seeing in the immigration courts right now is due to judges that Trump appointed, that his administration put in power. And so as we know, you know, Trump was really kind of, you know, had some strong opinions on immigration and he put these judges in who oftentimes had a background as, you know, prosecuting immigrants and, and now they're in the court, you know, deciding their fate. So, um, 
I think it has a lot to do with politics. Um, I think, you know, some of the experts say that some of it also has to do with maybe just a cultural understanding, you know, we're far from the border. So is Detroit, but, you know, and, and they have better rates of granting asylum, but we're far from the border here. And, you know, there's kind of a lack of understanding of what people might've gone through in their own countries and why, why they fled. You have a stat talking about the people who faced deportation and it was 4,000 some change here in Franklin County, you know, 3,000 Hamilton and the numbers as you get up to Cleveland are more of around 1,000. I know that there's a Cleveland immigration court. You have a picture of it in your story. What's the issue? And I, I'm sure there's a, a much broader reason. Can they try some of those cases somewhere else in another court, even if it's not immigration court? It, it seems to be a hassle for travel and just being able to successfully argue your case or even be able to argue a case, period. Yeah, so the thing about immigration court is it's – I think a lot of people misunderstand it, which is easy to do because it's not like the courts, you know, it's not like a criminal or a civil court. Um, there's a big difference between immigration court and how cases are handled. And so, you know, one of the big differences is um, lack of representation. You know, in a criminal court, you have the right to an attorney. And if you can't afford one, you know, you'll be appointed an attorney. That's definitely not the case in, in immigration court. You have to find your own attorney. Um, Oftentimes there's language barriers between the people seeking asylum and, um, you know, translators are available, but it's kind of, you know, I've been to Cleveland Immigration Court three times now and it's kind of a disoriented process, even for me, you know, somebody who, who speaks English and, and only English, um, you know, the translators, they're kind of piped in from the ceiling through speakers and they're on the phone. Wow. And so, you know, given that you're, in this new country and you're probably kind of disoriented by by that and you know not speaking the language and then you go in front of a court who will essentially decide your fate a lot of these cases are life or death if these people go back to their country you know they will be killed um or tortured and so you're in this situation and it's it's really disorienting and intimidating and then on top of that you don't speak the language and you may not have an attorney so um so these are kind of really, this is a different situation than what a lot of Americans think of when they think of justice or court. And so, um, so yeah, these can't really be tried in other ways. A lot of attorneys, especially during COVID, will ask for, you know, the ability to take the case from, you know, maybe their office in Columbus and do it through video conferencing, which the court does sometimes grant. But um, I think that might you know, the video part of it might change at some point um, as COVID changes. Um, so oftentimes it's, you know, making the trek and finding a ride. And, you know, you also have to be able to find an attorney and, and pay them, which is hard because most of these immigrants, you know, if they have not been, if they don't have asylum, they also aren't legally allowed to work. So they're depending on their friends or family. And you're saying about 12% of applicants have been granted asylum or some other type of relief. Have they, do the attorneys, do they have any idea of what maybe is the, the magic thing that's helping? Like, you know, is there something that they're able to prove that makes their case a little bit more viable to the court uh, to even get to the 12%? 
Yeah, well, there's like different categories of, you know, reasons to seek asylum. So I think I don't know if there's data on, you know, which, you know, whether it's political asylum or, you know, uh, the different reasons. I don't know if there's data on that. But I think, um, you know, honestly, a lot of it is just is proof, you know, having, you know, country conditions, what country you came from, what it's like there, um, things like that, I think is is probably mostly what happens. But yeah, I'm not really sure why those 12% might might get through and and why the others don't. I think it there's a lot of different um, intricate details that really determine a case's success. And, you know, obviously, as you said, you know, from a federal level, uh, the politics do play a role in influencing the courts. I mean, it happens whoever's in charge. Um, with a president that to be blunt, obviously, as a more immigration-friendly policy than the previous president, are, are people seeing those numbers potentially changing Ohio? I know it takes a while for sometimes what happens fairly to reverberate down Ohio, but are there hopes for a better number now with a different president in charge? I think there was, to be honest, and I'm hoping to do a story, you know, in January when we've seen, you know, President Biden be in for a year just to see you know, kind of the changes because they do have, presidents do have a big impact on this, but actually the administration appointed some judges this year and a lot of them, it's kind of more of the same of the kind of people that that Trump was appointing. They don't have a lot of experience in immigration cases or they were kind of on the other side. So, um, you know, that's just, it shows that that, that might not be changing as quickly as, as people, as advocates have really hoped. Um, but yeah, I think there's more, definitely more reporting to be done on that topic and just looking more into what Biden's presidency could mean and how, how long it takes to reverse, you know, uh, a lot of these decisions that Trump made. Yeah. It seems like an ongoing issue and be interested to see what the next, I mean, it's really not as much of the next steps. It's just your, illustrating what the issue is and it'll be interesting to see how things develop as with a new president in charge. So, um, but you know, thanks for checking out, um, you know, the Ohioan here as always check out the Columbus dispatch or your local newspaper, support local journalism, go to the upper right hand side of the website and you can subscribe lots of great deals. And, um, Danny's story here is a subscriber only story, but a lot of good coverage you can get exclusively with subscribers and lots of great deals out there. Well, thanks again for checking out the show. Thanks for coming on, Danny. You have a great day. You too. Thanks so much.